Okay. Hello, and welcome to another iteration of Weeaboo Hell. It's Weeaboo Hell. I am Dinar Dale, a.k.a. Blind Monkey. I am Sam Legault, a.k.a. Mute Monkey. And man, most internet nicknames are gone. That's almost a relic of a bygone era. I don't really know why we do it anymore. It kind of got grandfathered into the thing, I feel like. Yeah, yeah, just from the old Seymour Evil bit. Yeah, um, the source website of this is something that we've had for a while, actually. I, I I did a lot of, like, Westaboo comic bullshit before this. This was from... Before college, I feel like I, I think late that, high school. Late yeah, high this school. is late high school. It's called Monkeys with Typewriters. Once upon a time, oh, yeah, it's been Monkeys with Typewriters. Um, I think it was called Anti Monkey for like six months. Anti Monkey for a advertising addicted friend throws weight in. The, the problem with Anti Monkey is yeah, it sounds yeah. like it sounds yeah, like they're, white they're, power, like I don't I don't really need to explain could, the problem could, with Anti Monkey. Even, I could even pivot if I wasn't extremely Jamaican in front of him, like I am <laughs> just stealth in a forest, but. That's not our point today. Our point today is um, two shows. I shouldn't say alike in Dignity because we're going to give them two very different scores at the end of this one. Well, hold on. There was a whole motivation behind this episode um, that I feel that I must explain. Mm-hmm. So it occurred to me during uh, the recording of the last couple of episodes that I find myself going off on modern trends in anime a whole lot, uh, such to the point that I might feel like something of a... um. Something of an anime Jim Cornette, you know, a sort of the, the sort of type who thinks that everything that's happening now is terrible and everything that happened, you know, before a certain date was awesome and cannot ever be replicated again. And I don't I don't want to come off that particular way. So what we decided to do, Denard, if you want to. Oh, yeah. Um, the effort here is um, we're going to look at two older shows to prove that rather than an old man yelling at a cloud, we are. We've been yelling at clouds since we were infants, teenagers, preteens. And sometimes we were right, and sometimes we were wrong. These are two shows that I uh, I made fun of in high school, or early college, or god, whenever the I hell they came I know I bantered on both of these, specifically in early college. I was a college freshman at Princeton gaining my undergrad certificate in drinking. And I was all over the map. There was... So you're, you're older than me, so at the very least... Late high school for me, but I feel as though they came out even earlier than that. But I could be wrong. This, this, it, it all feels very 2005. It does, it does. And um, the two programs here, which I caught in 2009, I don't know where, where that dates me. We, we are watching um, Subasa Reservoir Chronicles and <laughs> Oran Host Club. And for those of you that are into gambling, either casually or professionally, or I don't know, in order to get serotonin into your systems. Before I start talking, feel free to place your bets on which one I liked and or disliked. I'll, I'll just give you that moment there. Roll, roll the bones amongst yourselves. Okay, you roll them yet? Because this is a pretty easy question right here. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so we're going to start with the phenomenal Subasa Reservoir Chronicles. Just what a landmark, what a landmark series, Denard. I uh, I feel like it, it, it changed me. It made me understand so many things about... <laughs> about um, why things happened, why trends, you know, the reason that, like... Oh, oh, God, this is a fucking piece of shit. I'm really glad. <gasps> oh, my God, this was impressively terrible. I'm really glad that this show exists because, you know, they say that, you know, you evolve as you get older. Every cell in your body replaces itself every 10 years or so. I can't quote the exact it's seven. number. It's seven. By, uh, it's seven. Uh, every seven years, you're dealing with a completely new body. With my completely new body, I can come back to this program and it is as completely incomprehensible. I don't feel any differently about it than I think I did uh, before I... You know, back when I prejudged it. But you know what? I was right about that prejudgment because having uh, watched, what, three, four, four episodes now? Three episodes now. It's like... It's like... So here's the thing. This is by Clamp, right? They created all the properties involved in Subasa. And for those unfamiliar, Subasa Reservoir Chronicle is basically this big um, crossover. Um, crossover yeah, they threw event. in a bunch of the popcorn seeds that they had grown up until this point the little kernels all, of corn 
into the fucking machine and well, stuck their hands in the machine. It just popped around their hands. Little little explosions. Well, of I want to I want to clarify. You know, like Clamp and their works and what Clamp is. Like Clamp, you know, as you may know or may not know, is this uh, collective of uh, a, a couple of artists who have created a number of manga. I want to say like a dozen or so, maybe a little bit more than a dozen. Uh, manga they also over the course of years into doing a lot of character designs for different shows. Some a lot of stuff got adapted. Mm. They have a few. I don't know if it was a few original movies. I just know that for some reason the Showtime channel was addicted to running the movie X backslash one nine nine nine, which is in the post apocalyptic action film. It was a it was a manga first. It was a manga first. It was a manga okay. first. Most well, of their stuff they are manga artists and their stuff gets adapted. Now, um, if you are a contemporary weeb. And therefore, I don't know, brushing your head against the Lucia of the Rebirth or all that shit. Was it Rebirth or Resurrection? Whatever. Code Geass reboot. Clamp also did the character designs. Not the story or anything, but the character designs for all the Code Geass folk. I cannot believe that we've had that series for, like, more than ten years now. It's kind of nuts. It is weird to think of that as being retro. Like, what's it like being some... This must be like to be our, our parents and think, wait, Boogie Nights is an old film now. <laughs> How long ago did Star Wars Woodstock come out? Woodstock was 50 years ago. Where did these new pores come from? Just dotting my face. So yeah, the, the stains of time and uh, clamp. Uh, and Subasa Reservoir Chronicle is their um their big their big uh, Avengers Endgame. Um, it's it's them kind of just incorporating all of the various different properties they have created because you know they owned them. Why not? And turning into this big. Uh, I don't know. I can't really think of <laughs> event is such a very like 2019 word for it. Um, story. It's a big story where all of the universes that they created are involved in this story, and uh, they are, they hop around these universes. All this anime stuff. There are secondary demographics. There are crossovers. I'm going to assume that at least three of you out there play video games. Do you remember the incomprehensible mush? That was the subspace emissary in Super Smash Brothers. I was gonna say this. This plays out kind of like Kingdom Hearts. Kingdom Hearts has transitions, at least this less so. But the thing is that I have such a higher opinion of subspace emissary than I do of Kingdom Hearts as a franchise. It's that thing. Like remember from the last episode when we were talking about shit that you have to major in to understand it. Kingdom oh, Hearts it is, is that. pure minutia core. And, and like, and it. this is definitely one of those things. So I, I want to say that it has a little bit more in common with Kingdom Hearts, and that like, are you a smart for clamp shit? Cool, you'll get this. Maybe you might even enjoy it. Are you not? Fuck you. Go away. This isn't for you. Thing is, I'm not sure. Feel free to correct me if I'm wrong in my ever-expanding email folder just full of the hatred of multiple generations. I'm not sure you could get a lot out of the show even if you were like a hyper clamp head. At least I only have one entry point into this. Other than that post-apocalyptic flick I saw way back when, which I only remember as a series of lasers and vague angst. So I can't really draw from X199 or however the fuck you say it. I don't think it ever got an ending. But as a latchkey child, thing. that's great. That's fucking great. That's really great. <laughs> it's like... But as a latchkey child, I did see a bunch of card character Sakura. Because, I don't know, maybe I squinted at it and pretended it was Pokemon. US dub, Channel 11, all that shit. Northeast. We didn't have streaming back in those days. It was hard, man. It was hard. And what is so weird about this is it builds as its foundation of this crossover. The two fucking kids from, like, card character Sakura, right? Yeah. So, um, I'm just gonna... Just just gonna... Never watched Card Captor Soccer or Card Captors, as I think it was called in the States. This, yeah, no, you, you, you've you got this. And what's weird was, they weren't great characters. They weren't deep characters. But they were individuals with adjectives and nouns they you were might characters. describe them with. They, they, they were human beings, at the very least. One of them was plucky. One of them was stuck up. And now they are romance pairing b13 it's um it's interesting because you know you watch this show and we can kind of i guess get into the premise of it um because i feel like giving myself a headache sometimes it we helps. get into the uh, into the premise of it but the the two main characters of this show are the two main characters or two of the main characters i, don't know, I didn't watch it of card capture soccer right you've got sakura the um you know the the, the, the main character, character. The, the, the she who catches the cards, 
uh, captures the cards. She wants to be the very best. Between her and one other dude, I guess? I'm sure she does. Uh, and then we've got uh, Sauron, who is um, who, who was in that show her love interest. I think he was a probably secondary was he a secondary or was he a main character how how, how um, in that i mean was like he? it's a it's about like mrs pink and he's i don't know the lancer is the most equivalent like you want to fuck the lancer i guess like if just red and blue sort of stare at each other really powerfully for a while so we'll say that he was you know like a mainish character and this show has some really strong fan fiction energy caked into it well what i'm what I'm, what I'm trying to get here is that, you know, in, in, in Cardcaptor Sakura, like it or not, watch it or not, <laughs> you know, um, some more than others, uh, Sakura was a character. Saran was a character. They had traits. So and no. here... <laughs> Saran is, uh, I guess, the main character of uh, of Subasa Reservoir Chronicle. Um, and Sakura is uh, his love interest, and this is basically the the only role she seems to have. Mm-hmm. Um, what I'm getting at here is that I don't know why someone who liked card captors would feel anything but insulted by this. Because here, here's Sakura, right? You know, the plucky heroine, you know, like, she had all sorts of, like, you know, she was she was a protagonist. She has no agency in this. She has no, barely has a personality in this besides how into Saran she is. If I get specific into about the no agency thing, because I guess we, I should summarize this a little. Sure. She falls under a uh, plot spell. Where she falls into a uh, coma a la, I don't know, Sleeping Beauty, Beauty and the Beast. Loses her memories too, I think it's mentioned. Yeah, yeah, yeah she loses her memories. They do tell us this. They uh, and her they do not elect to show it. switches from generic love pairing three to furniture. She becomes a table that he misses having. <laughs> and he becomes an Ikea tow truck dedicated to carting her from world to world. Because he has to go across all the subspace emissary plants, or Kingdom Hearts planets, or whatever the the crossover video game hodgepodge of your choice. Hey, you remember this? I hope, because you've read everything by Clamp. Speaking of retro, this one is forcing me into old metaphors, because you don't normally use video games anymore to describe, like, disparate staple gun together elements. You use them to describe more, I don't know, military wank. But... This one is such a throwback in the ways it's bad in a lot of ways that I'm just, I'm relapsing. I want to make jokes about George Bush instead of the collapsing, like, State Department. (laughs) That was back when they had too much spull. (laughs) I just cannot get past wondering who the fuck this series is for. Because if if these two leads are both from Cardcaptor Sakura, right? Probably, like, arguably, Clamps... Shit. I bumped the mic. Arguably, Clamp's most famous and well-regarded work, uh, besides maybe Hollick. Um, I think a Hollick is the uh, Smarks choice. That's that. That's like that's the um that's the, the very like patrician film nerd you know favorite. <laughs> um, the Car right? The the favorite uh you know like the, the favorite most popular work by Clamp, and then they do both of these characters so goddamn dirty that it it can serve to do nothing but alienate you know. If they had made one of these two a sex offender instead of the roles that they end up playing in this, I think it would have shook out better. I feel like I should introduce some of the other elements that we got from our short run of this one. Yeah, just which continues to add to the whole fan fiction thing. It's it's really fucking... They've got an RPG party of five. And if you're hoping some of the core cast are the holic people you presumably like, if you're... Hoping for anything positive to happen with this. Um, can I get a secondary raspberry on that? Excellent. Actually, a G major. He was a um, raspberry flautist back in high school. As I was saying, if you're hoping that anything from Hollick, aside from the most cursory... Hi, it's me, the Dimensional Witch. There you go now. Goodbye. If she had ran this show's Pokemon Center... I think there would have been more meaningful screen time and dialogue than what we got out of those people in this show so far. Yo, did you know it took me until, like, last year 
until I realized that the uh, that the third gen, right? The Pokemon, the third gen, Ruby Sapphire Emerald, that the uh, Pokemon Center theme song was not changed for third gen. It's just that it had a whole lot more grace notes in it. Oh, that's cool. Anyway, you see, it's very easy to stay focused on Subasa Reservoir Chronicle as random factoids about third-generation Pokemon take place over the summer. What's, what's interesting about this, um, honestly, is is the fact that it's got so much shit to it, and yet I can barely stay focused on it. Some of the other so much shit to it. We have um, Blondie McClosed Eyes. He has a name I can't get wrong, and actually, my minor disclaimer for the rest of my runner on it's, this particular it's show. Somehow I know that. It's Fi. Okay, so um, I'm here with Rain Man, who can retain information from Subasa Reservoir Chronicles. I don't know what the ninja's name is, though. These are powers. They are... say it more than the blonde guy's name, Fi's name. But yeah, Fi is JRPG character one. His eyes are always closed. He's got that sort of reserved attitude. He carries a Pokemon around with him. The Pokemon is from uh, Magic Knight Ray Earth. Didn't didn't see it, didn't watch it, didn't read it. I don't know if it's good or not, but uh, I can. It say certainly was not very well represented in this. I can tell you that much. In isolation, the thing is a tumor that walks and talks. It's like if I wanted to kill the Jigglypuff. That's more like a Clefairy, I think. Okay. <laughs> so yeah, then so yeah, you have a Cancer Jigglypuff, and they are paired with. I don't know, they want it to be their sort of brash, I don't know, maybe a Wolverine archetype would be a good comparison. But there is a character guts. that in studio... Guts. In anime, it's guts. Yeah, man-made guts. Not drawn from a previous series of theirs, but... No, no, in anime, it's guts. In anime, it's guts. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. Okay. The point is, they have this character. When they wrote it out, they thought, this is the fan favorite. This is the guy. He's going to get the people who are into the love plot through this love plot. No. 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 They are wrong. They are very wrong. They are tragically wrong. They are Shakespeareanly wrong. It's this thing. Where, no, uh, like, I, I'm no stranger to the creative process, right? I get how ideas kind of come about. Sort of, oh, this would be cool. Oh, that'd be cool. Oh, you know, it would fucking rule, Right. Uh-huh. It feels this the entire setup to this feels very much like um like it was thought up one night, you know, at two AM when the bottle of uh of uh when the bottle of extended release Adderall is being passed around the room. Oh dude, I can see the <laughs> sticky notes on the wall for this one. And then um it was just sort of pushed out as is, uh without a whole lot of uh thought about uh you know having any of it make sense or be half decent or i don't know maybe we should write these characters instead of just kind of write the outlines for them and sort of hope that the viewers kind of fill them the rest of the way in we don't i mean one of them is just obviously the the fox guy from bleach and one of them <laughs> is just obviously you know bargain uh. bargain brand uh, guts uh, and and that's that's what I think of their characters. I, I, I know it's that they wanted more distinct. from me, but uh, no, I that, that's all they gave me. That's all I can really give them. If I could use a far crasser and less illuminating metaphor, sure. This baby could have really used a C-section, so it could have gotten more air on the way out. <laughs> it's how Jesus it fucking Christ, Vasa <laughs> Reservoir Chronicles, <laughs> and. Maybe I'll seem like a nicer, fairer human being if I if I walk you through this a little bit. Because we start in the JRPG Village of Love. It's a fantasy kingdom. If you have the proper nouns for it, I applaud you. It seems to be some sort of Bronze Age fantasy. I don't really think I'm doing myself any favors by trying to date it or Sayura, know, come up with a... Sorry, Sayuran and Sakura... Never start your main character to seem constant. It'll just fuck your reviewers right up. Oh, yeah. Sayuran and Sakura get warp zoned to holic world after leaving i guess her siblings to die for reasons yeah they did this thing where they introduced the main antagonist very briefly uh they are very i know it's it's this dude with a beard or something like that his 
as far as I can tell, his villainous motivation is that he is the least attractive male in this setting. He seems to have He's a seven in plans. a world of nines. Uh, honest to God, I don't really know why they even chose to introduce him so early, <laughs> right? Uh, because it adds nothing. Because it, it, it adds it adds fucking nothing. Um, it sort of would add to the mystery if you didn't really know why all of this was happening. Um, now we know that it is just some guy who has some fucking lame nebulous motive or whatever. I don't fucking know. Let's say you remove him right entirely from the beginning of this. You know the uh, some curse manifests itself among the heartless Sakura, whatever, and uh, and we're not really sure why. Masterhand. Then there's a mystery on top of all of this, um, and there's something, something, even small, to find oneself a little bit more invested in. To you know, a question to sort of ask. Oh, well, why is this all happening? Who could possibly be behind this? But we know from the get-go who's behind this, and we know them to be an uninteresting, generic anime bad guy who probably wants power or something. I don't know. Like, I could check the TV Troves page, you know, after we're done Yeah, let's here. not waste the ATP in your cells on that. Like, we are animal-based like, I'm sure he's a, yeah, I'm sure he wants power or something, right? Clamp smarks. Email me if I got it wrong. But, um... I, I doubt that I'd get to the end of the series and be at all surprised by, you know, this guy and his motive and his backstory. Maybe he has some sort of reasoning or something like that. Come on, come about. on, come on, come the fuck <laughs> on, come the fuck on. Don't fuck around with me like this, okay? Okay? Uh, okay. So, let me describe this stuff this way. I feel like it kind of sounds like there's a lot going on. And let me not misrepresent one of this program's core problems, which is how glacially all of this very basic stuff is happening because at first i thought the show was overcomplicated as like a grab bag crossover but then i realized they were sort of saying everything three times like it's a dramatic equivalent of that shit i was saying about oresuki like running over the joke twice they're running over the plot point four times it's they kind of have both problems it is overcomplicated yes and they are also over explaining it too <laughs> To, in a way in which, like, I I think I'd understand it better if they explained it to me less. I don't know. Its primary medium is also um, semi-animated mouth flapping. You could replace. Oh yeah, this show looks like shit. This show looks like seagull. fucking shit. <laughs> like I had. To, I, here's the thing. Credit to Clamp, right? Credit to Clamp. We went back and found like the original manga, and it looks pretty good, right? It looks like it's. It's yeah. a work that Clamp is known for. They are good artists. And this was just not a good adaptation of their work. Yeah. Everything looks flat and uh, ill-proportioned. There's this space between all the characters' eyes that you could rent out for a <laughs> billboard. And um, they don't move so much. They Like, the, their mouth flaps. That's, uh, that's the extent of how, I want to say... 60% of every episode is animated. The the uh, the extent of the animation for about 60% of every an- the extent of the animation for about 60% of every episode is just people flapping their mouths. And after a point it got so tiresome that I just started being like along to the uh, along to the episode because I, I It's not endearing. I was not I I couldn't fucking pay attention anymore. The thing that struck me about that is you are adapting something by people who made their bones, like, as visual artists. Like, they are visually distinguished. Whether or not you like the whole Slenderman high fashion look, that's up to you. Not my thing, but I respect the fact that normally you can see these guys fucking work from orbit, right? Yeah, no, it's usually and, very easy to identify a clamp character design. And the animation studio that picked this one up just fucking smeared charcoal all over that paper. No, it looks like... You know who and the fuck Sauron looks like? He looks like you took... You Sauron looks like every other anime protagonist in history after this. Well, no, it looks like you took fucking Kira Yamato from Gundam Seed and just, like, put him through a fucking toffee press. No, top... Shit. I'm starting that riff again. Sauron looks like Kiri Yamato from Gundam Seed, and they fucking pulled him through a toffee puller. Oh, it hurts so much! <laughs> and the fucking that ninja like looks like Guts, pulled through a fucking toffee puller, and so on. He looks like a pro-Anna Guts, is what I would say. Yeah. Like Guts with some real childhood issues he has to work out. 
Maybe he was different, a model in his youth. Different childhood issues. Different childhood issues. Like, more physically consensual childhood issues, but issues nonetheless. It, it kind of does. I, I I don't know how um upset, you know, the, the members of Clamp were by this series, but I'm kind of upset on their behalf, right? That they were so amazingly misrepresented by how poorly their art style was adapted. Um... It very much does look like stylization when they are drawing these characters, right? But it just looks like um, lazy when they are being animated. Despite having no investment in the property, not even being my kind of thing. Like I could imagine myself like dozing softly off during a great deal of during a great deal of my impression of their work. As someone who's been a fanboy of a lot of random shit over time, I could really just imagine having, like, the crossover thing of my favorite series, like, I don't know, Star Wars versus Star Trek or some such space boy nonsense. Mm-hmm. And having everything just look like badly animated stands when the action sequences come through. And I could just imagine my fingers just cracking through the <laughs> fucking plaster in my cheap-ass room wall. Well, yeah, no, this is, honest to God, this was the sort of same thought that I had. It wasn't the first thought that I had, um, necessarily, but it was the thought that I had. Uh, remember, like, about a month back or so, when that horrifying-looking trailer to the live-action cats, or kind of live-action cats, F. comes out? Yeah, F. Um, and then I see, um, then someone on my Facebook page links someone's impassioned defense of, like, well, this is different, though. <laughs> um, and I'm thinking... Yeah, it's it's not like you're wrong, but really, you should be pissed off right here. Because this is the only thing... Like, Cats is this property, right? That, like, hardcore fucking Andrew Lloyd Webber um, fans are familiar with it and, you know, know a whole lot about it. And um, maybe a, a, a decent number of Broadway, uh, Broadway nerds, right? These are the yeah. people who know anything about it. And that is a very, very small percentage of the population, right? The most theatrical furries amongst us. This is Tom Hooper being a fucking <laughs> moron again. This adaptation is what the world at large is going to think uh. of this property that you have known and you have loved, right? Oh, you should man. be pissed. You should be really fucking pissed. Dude. This is how pissed I was at the fucking Green Lantern adaptation. That is an interesting from point. Tw- like, you have to imagine, From like, 2011 with Ryan Reynolds. Remember how fucking god-awful that was? I do, and I like that one. Like, I'm imagining now just theater heads in the middle of Peru. They've always heard fucking rumors about this cat's bullshit. Never caught whiff of it. They're saying, okay, let's see how the Americans spin it. Let's see if they've got it. Let's see if this cat has the juice. And they see the first malformed Shonic the Hedgehog shamble on screen. <laughs> and they say, why have you done this? Uh, meow. <laughs> and why have you done this to the holy art of cinema, the holy art of theater, the holy art of my eyes not bleeding into themselves? And so this, this is how I feel, like, whatever hardcore clamp nerds there are out there, and I don't know what the number is on them, right? But... I don't know how you don't fucking hate this show. Maybe you do. Um, I, I I cannot say that I really took anyone's temperature on this one, and, and maybe uh, maybe I'm um, just saying things that have been said before here. But um, honestly, whenever shit like this happens, whenever an adaptation goes so poorly, and I feel like I'm also giving Clamp, Clamp a little bit too much credit here too, because you know you're still working with the same fucking story here. If I could. Slight diversion. Yeah, go ahead. But in terms of this being um, our younger selves yelling at a cloud instead of um, the, the, the threat of the old man yelling at a cloud, mm-hmm. this show has a fucking problem that does not happen in the single like core anime as much anymore, which is just the fucking retread episode. Yeah. Yeah, we could get into that. So because once the- upon a time, back in the mid-2000s, mostly the mid-2000s, Never a show a had anything more than like 13 episodes in it, <laughs> which was most of them at that point. Honestly, got 13 episode anime were kind of rare back in the day. They are they are sort of the uh, the law of the land these days. But usually something got 26. Um, every now and again, it'd get 50. Sometimes it would be ongoing. It would get like more more than 100. Sometimes, very rarely, it your would get your legendary galactic heroes. Your legend of galactic heroes. Your um. I cannot remember if the original Full Metal Alchemist got 50 episodes or 60, like from 2003. I can't place that off the top of my head. Yeah, that's a good question. I just remember myself getting more and more disappointed, you know, like, I don't know, it, that, that, it, that, that version of it has a whole lot of fans, but um, I'm not one of them. Anyway, no, the, um, 
whenever something had more than 13 episodes, uh, you could be damn sure. No, you can be sure, but you would never be surprised if you found yourself maybe a dozen, two dozen in, and all of a sudden you were greeted with the recap episode. And you just get this sitcom-style married with children fucking clip show of content and points you've already seen, of moments you've already absorbed, of things that, if you were invested in the show, you already pretty much had committed to memory, but regurgitated at you like the lunch of a baby bird and I guess gently I, descending from the sky. I have to say, this shit doesn't happen that much anymore. Like, credit where it's due. Yeah, yeah. I, I guess the arc of progress exists. Good job, anime industry. Weeaboos or just out external structural forces. It happens in a show I like, though. It, hap- it does, They do do it in uh, My Hero Academia sometimes. I mean, okay, Shonen Jump is its own production genre. Sure. They um, will bear that cross upon their back until there is no more desert to walk through. Oh, I bet that they do it in the first episode of the next season of Demon Slayer. It's entirely possible. It's going to be really weird in that Dr. Stone shit since it's basically a Jules Verne story without really intense fights to scroll back on the emotional drive for. It's just people inventing shit in the fucking forest. (laughs) So yeah, that's the radio you made last episode. There it is. Subasa Reservoir Chronicles third episode just loops back on the first. It just cannibalizes them for content like nothing I have seen in some time. And, oh, yeah, and it's kind I, of nostalgic to be mad at something for that for reason. For a recap. But like, here's the thing. It's the third fucking episode. Three. <laughs> oh, three. <laughs> and they've already... And they've already either A, run out of budget. B run out of material or C run out of any sort of respect for the viewer, you know, that they could have been paying attention. And to be entirely candid here, it was very difficult to pay attention to this show in the episodes leading up to the first recap episode, which is the third one. Now, not to say that stuff did not happen in this, but they started giving us flashbacks of shit that happened Two episodes ago. Two. Dose. I wonder, maybe maybe there's a higher purpose. Maybe it's the show's immune system because they know how poorly they conveyed a lot of the information. Because despite the glacial pace, despite all the retreading, a good 33% of the time in Tsubasa Reservoir Chronicles, you don't know what's happening. How bad is it? I thought the two side characters, Guts and Bleach Guy... There. I thought they were from other clamp things. No, they are original characters for this production. I was not supposed to have prior associations for these two characters. It's just fucking incomprehensible. Original characters. Donut yep. steel. <laughs> yes, donut steel. Because, like I said, this show plays out like fucking fan fiction. I, and, and, and fan fiction, sort of in the sense, uh, the show's attitude too, right? kind of takes on faith that you've seen everything by Clamp before. Like, all of it, right? Sort of in the way that, you know, a fan fiction for one particular series sort of supposes that you are familiar with the milieu of that particular series, right? And for a fan fiction, like an actual one, right? <laughs> uh, on fanfiction.net or whatever the site is these days, I I don't know. Um, I guess I can forgive that, right? Because it is doesn't matter but for a show right mm-hmm. that is released for people to watch it human beings for human beings to watch it perhaps human beings who have not consumed you clamp's know, entire catalog just in case date. someone scrolling across the channels or stealing your show from the internet because they don't give a fuck <coughs> they might tomato Ooh, do we convert some new viewers from this populace? Or do we go tell them to go fuck themselves with a rake? This was this was sort of a thing that I had. I remember um, sophomore or junior year of, uh, of high school. Mm-hmm. And I'm working for the school newspaper. And they send me, uh, because I'd been outspoken about it before they sent me to see the second twilight movie sweet um and one of one of the points that i had one of the uh, one of the things that i was uh thinking while watching this movie was man i don't know what any of these people are talking about i feel like i feel like i'm a guest to the franchise right and i certainly was a guest to the franchise 
I feel like if I'm a guest to the franchise, the least they can do is um, help me out here just a little bit. What they need is the guest equivalent within their medium of the bowl of peanuts that you might put in the lobby for people that don't have to go into the proctologist's office with their father, but they're stuck in the lobby. Maybe a magazine or two. Well, here's the thing. In fairness, I feel like I might be asking for two conflicting things here. Um, We are on them and on them and on them about how much fucking words people say and how many fucking like flashbacks there are already three episodes in. And then I'm also on them for sort of assuming that I am already a clamp stan, right? And that, you know, this show isn't for me if I am not, right? But if those are two criticisms that I have of this show, if this show feels like it's like it is feeling kind of like a private party, Damn, I thought the AEW thing is used to those fucking words. Yeah, I was, I, I was, it is why I said those words, because I was thinking about AEW. It is both a private party, and it is... A dark order? Well, no, just that, like, just that guy who kind of corners you at that private party and goes <laughs> on and on and on and on about some bullshit that you don't fucking care about. It has two, somehow somehow it has two mutually exclusive problems right mm-hmm. and it still manages to have both of them even though they should be mutually exclusive it's actually kind of impressive now that i'm thinking about it yeah yeah it's one more extreme flaw away from a hat trick so let me explain one more extreme flaw <laughs> because when i think about this show and the premise and what the good version or at least the goal target version would look like i'm going to betray my usual complainy roots or my usual aesthetic priorities and say it actually is not a script-level problem. It might not even be an editing-level problem. This is a clamp fusion property. These people who have basically slid by, either coasted by, or artisanally benefited from, just style all along, and everything looks and feels wooden. This should be essentially a glitzy rock concert of a show, and instead it looks like a cheaply done plank. And so it was dead from the outset, because it wasn't even trying to survive off his script check. Like, it needs... It's a flash... It's, it's like a firecracker with no fucking matches. It's just sort of sitting there, and it's just plastic and gunpowder. And there are cool things you can do with plastic and gunpowder, but you have to do them. You have to commit to maybe the police kicking down your door. You have to commit to some jail time and some fines. And this show isn't willing to face those. It doesn't have the money, it doesn't have the investment, it doesn't have the energy, and... It can't even do the Furious 7 thing where you're just riding from set piece to set piece or whatever because everything just looks hollow. You could make the argument, right, that they were only given a TV budget to do this with, but two things. They didn't need to do this. (laughs) (laughs) Could have just stuck with the manga and, you know, like, complained about that. We could have just complained about that. Also, in terms of the budgeting for this, this being a crossover by default means that you already know they have an established fucking audience. Not a huge one, though, if this is the amount of money that they gave them. I actually kind of wonder how much money they gave them. I wonder if they gave them more money than it looks like they did, and they just wasted it somehow. I wouldn't be surprised. That is salient. So... But, but here's the thing. There was two things. A, you didn't need to fucking make this show. B, whatever the argument is that they weren't given... The, they still fucking made the show, right? So... It still happened. I'm still going to judge it on. You see, as he talked about this show's right to exist or not, I think he's annoyed that we did an episode about the sort of early aughts in anime and we're not talking about Char's counterattack right now. That was the 80s. Oh, fuck me. Whatever. <laughs> that was 1989. Dude, I, I read and watched all this shit like six years ago. <laughs> no, it looked good though, right? It looked, it looked pretty dang goddamn good for 1989. I kind of wish that Quest Pariah was not a character, but... Uh, Man, we cannot have everything we want. I feel like there was one more point that I wanted to raise. I'm trying to remember what it was. Oh, okay. So this is kind of a final point right here. And it's small. It's not like a structural problem. This is the problem with the show that comes in on a silver surfboard and tells you what's to come. No, it's um, it's emblematic. Beyond problems with animation, you know, problems with the adaptation, um, you know, immediate flashbacks that might not have been there in the manga, right? There is a problem that this show has that is very well, uh, you know... Typified, codified, embodied, Embodied, there we go. Embodied, embodied. represented by, um, you know, the, the 
second and third episodes when um they arrive in X nineteen ninety nine, right? Which is this, I guess, post apocalyptic. I don't know. It just looks Wait, like was that supposed to be X nineteen ninety nine. I remember it being way cooler. TV budget, hot damn, right? Uh, Dark. They arrive in X nineteen ninety nine. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure it might be Tokyo Babylon. Um. They arrive in X-1999, and they get into this fight with this gang of silly-looking mohawk dudes. Fight is a strong noun for what ensued on screen. Well, here's the thing. Um, It seems like, for a second here, uh-huh. we're supposed to take these uh, very incidental antagonists seriously. I can't when you draw them like that. You drew them like that. They look like fucking if Ben Garrison, right, were, you know, around and active in, like, the early 1980s. It should be noted for this example, he means when Ben Garrison is not drawing Miss Cortez's feet. In that (laughs) case, he embraces a virtuosic level of detail representative of a Raphael or Da Vinci. Well, it's just just how he would design a uh, punk Right? Of the early 1980s, late 1970s, right? Yeah. Um, and, and these are introduced as antagonists that we're meant to take seriously. Or if we're not meant to take them seriously, then why the fuck are they even there? Because they're not particularly funny, right? As gag antagonists either. If they wanted to, you know, write a joke or two, write a fucking joke or two. Well, it's where the show gets its philosophical edge from. It sort of reminds you that you have a limited amount of time until you die. And I spent it watching this. Lo, X, behold. There was more I wanted to say about this, but I'm I'm just more disappointed by this than anything else. Like, there are things that make me angry when I watch it. Like, fucking Milf Isekai made me angry. This just made me confused and sad. If I were to describe... Disappointment would describe my relationship with it, too. For me, it was a bit more that when I came into it, mm-hmm. I didn't think it was going to be good. But no, I, I knew it was, was not going to be good. Kind of a meth trip in Vegas, maybe kinetic energy to it. Like I heard the multiple world premise, like okay, so this thing's just going to be all over, bouncing from point to point to point to point. That'll at least be amusing in a sort of kinetic Looney Tunes kind of way. No, but it runs out of fucking air so goddamn quickly. Yeah, it's a very asthmatic on a treadmill show. What does that mean the metaphor say? Why can't I do a metaphor I can say in a fucking first grade room without getting fired? <laughs> it is a very dumb poo-poo pee pants. Unlike to my eternal fucking surprise, my general impression of our second show. Oh yeah, this was fun. So here's like backstory, Wait, well, right? We're gonna, well, we're gonna name it first or just backstory? Backstory, yeah. Cool. Backstory. This is a show, right, that uh, back when I was concerned with feeling cool and looking cool or whatever, that I would make fun of as um, as sort of just showho trash, I guess. I mean, I think it was very important for me to establish the exact length and width of my genitalia by dunking on this one sight unseen. Uh, yeah, the, back, um, back when I was a believer, right, in the idea that... Um, things you know for girls were inferior because they were for girls this was not begging the question no right? the numerous frills the lack of a machine gun action figure attachment right uh this was this was this show was always kind of a primary target right because it was it was about a genre that i never really had too much interest in right it, and it is a very like kind of meta show um it was sort of you know kind of having conversations about itself it, it seemed very much kind of like it was jacking itself off about, like, a thing that I thought was not that great to begin with. In defense of a wide-eyed 17-year-old Denard Dale before he found his fortune and started venturing across the seven seas, mm-hmm. it probably is a tall order to expect someone to appreciate a slightly meta take on a genre they didn't engage with in the first place. Like, we're a degree removed from the thing I'm already three degrees removed from here. Sure. Anyway, we're talking about... Oran, Oran Host Club is that the Oran title? High School Host Club? Basic premise: a young, not near do well, near do fashion, a fashionless freak, a <laughs> wretch of the sewage, exists in this sort of hoity-toity. Everything is glossy, flowers, etc. I would call them a working class hero. 
a working class hero, a champion of the proletariat, an Oliver Twist with maybe a little Red Army flavor. Oh, he's, he's, he's doing it. He's tanking it up. Go ahead. So this hero of the uh, underclassmen gets roped into a, a club where five rich guys do everything short of selling their bodies. Like they are these. It's strange. I've seen like I've seen a number of episodes of this thing at this point. I'm still not exactly sure what they do. They or sort why. of elevate that to the level of a gag, though. Like one guy just keeps changing his story and how they make their money. I think at this point he's either embezzling or funding it himself. Those are only two options. But well, they did. Is it there? It is school for the impossibly rich, which looks as much right. Um, and their purpose, right, is to sit there and be gorgeous and be swooned over uh, by by any know, accommodating ladettes or lads that might be in observation for some sculpted man booty. And it's very, it, it is very meta, right? It, it is very much just a showho series, kind of kind of poking fun at both showho fans. And the sort of thing that Shoho fans, you know, look for in their Shoho. Like, if you think of the elements of a sort of Shoho thing, visually at least, maybe not so much on the plot front, sort of does its own thing, but visually a lot of the things, like the guys moving in slow motion towards each other, or the sparkly shit, or the long hair, or whatever, is sort of cranked up to 10.5 at random intervals for comic effects. But I sort of jumped over the premise level thing where... This guy who gets drawn into their club by um, class warfare is <laughs> the guy who gets drawn into the club by class warfare against his will. Turns out is not a guy, but the erstwhile what's your fucking name again? Haruhi. Haruhi. Though Haruhi is a sort of amusingly singular protagonist, particularly from the modern perspective, because... Uh, yeah, I think this thing came out in, like, what, mid-2000s, early 2000s, early to late 2000s? Somewhere, it was somewhere, a few curves. Somewhere orbiting 2005. Uh, and Haruhi, as a protagonist, um, seems to describe themselves in the first or second episode as what we would consider non-binary today. I'm not really sure if that was the original intention of the, uh, of the author, but, um, you know, when approached and asked about it, they described themselves as like, uh, let more than more than a boy and more than a girl. I just kind of think of myself as a person. Wait, no, they had a way punchier quote for that shit. It was, it was quite I, a bit punchier. It was, um, I'm going to mutilate this, but she said, uh, and this is while she's in the middle of being fucking extorted. So it's funny. We but, can say um, they in this case. They're in the middle of getting fucking extorted. So it's fucking, so it's fucking amusing. So but, it's um, fun, yeah. They say, well, to me, the issue of being a boy or girl is below the level of a, a caveman or something. <laughs> and our main comic foil, the zeros and ones are sort of bouncing against each other in his head and shattering into a thousand bites. And he's sort of just kind of dragged face first through, you know, like a, a 100 level gender studies course. In about three seconds rather than, you know, four months. It's worth pointing out on a uh, premise level that the um, duotagonist, secondary protagonist, whatever, Blondie McBlonde Blonde. Deuteragonist. Deuteragonist in the show is... His name is Tamaki. He's, um... His name's Tanaki, yeah. Tamaki, I guess he's the average of Leonardo DiCaprio and Cartman. <laughs> I would give him a little bit more credit than that. He does. Well, the show has a better spirit than South Park. But... Certainly, yeah. But it's someone who, I guess the gag is you just take like someone who has lived their life with the treatment of the idyllic looking, well-to-do sort of shoujo protagonist. Mm -hmm. And his ego has created this borderline monster. But you know, there's still a heart of gold. That the show has its own little conflict or whatever the fuck. Yeah, that, that's the thing. This is this is ultimately not that cynical a show. Or not, rather, I call shows cynical these days when I think of them as just like kind of cashins, just trying to make money off of human loneliness. Um, this is a show that does not have cynical attitudes towards people. Is what I'm trying to say here. Yeah. Ultimately. There do not seem to be any particularly terrible people in this show, or at least that we've met so far. Just um, very sheltered ones, let's say. Tamaki himself is written not as though he is a bad person, but just 
as a person who has lived in quite a bubble. And the thing that's interesting about how this show plays with these elements is I... The show doesn't pretend towards depth, and it isn't deep, to be honest. Like, if I were to start kicking at its ankles, it's not the smartest fucking show on television. I would say it has... It has has this moment that's funny, but it's... Three layers. It's it's just three. What it's good at is physical comedy, dramatic irony. It's got really good shot composition. And just visual gags. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, physical comedy kind of falls under the visual gag. Right, so maybe it's just two strings. I don't fucking know. <laughs> I don't know. I'm trying to be nice today because we spend 50 minutes. We normally go 30. We spend 50 minutes punching Subasa Reservoir Chronicles in the neck. That was 50 fucking minutes. We weren't fans. It might have been 40. Jesus Christ. We weren't into it. We weren't into it, buddy. It, it wasn't drawing times. No. Uh, <laughs> we will not be running its fan club. But, um, honestly, the show's main strength of then having that weird Gundam wing thing of being randomly ahead of the curve on some shit was just, mm-hmm. um, individual gags are strong. The individual gags are very strong. It's like having, I don't know, it's like having good punching in a martial arts movie. It's, yeah, certainly. It's, 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 it's what you're there for. <laughs> I think if it suffers from one thing, it'll, it suffers from the sort of, um, I don't have a name for it, but it's just a problem that some that a lot of dialogue-based shows have, which is, um, first we are in a room talking. Now we are in a different room, still talking. Now we are in a third room, and wouldn't you know it, we're talking oh, again. Oh, so many Netflix shows are the fucking worst with that. Um, a- after a certain point of time, like, yes, I, I get that, you know, stakes are to be conveyed via dialogue or whatnot, right? But if it becomes apparent to me that it's just been three consecutive scenes of people in a room talking, then you've not done quite a good enough job of conveying these stakes, of uh, making me feel excited about what's going to happen next. I'm more just thinking about what has already happened, which has been two consecutive scenes, and now a third, of people in a room talking. I make a bad habit of doing these episodes before dinner and whenever a show has this flaw i I almost want to call it dinner's law because when i start thinking about food instead of your content and not even a bad show it kind of just shows how much that sort of plays against you when you do that shit you know yeah i mean we did eat um prior to watching this or no third episode the third episode we actually uh we we did a thing that we don't usually do um just because of scheduling and just stuff where uh we watched the first couple of episodes of this show um last week and we watched another one this week just to sort of like refresh ourselves on the whole you know like the tone the feel of the show and the wildest fucking thing happened because we did that we watched the sub for the first two enjoyed it fine we watched a dub mostly enjoyed it fine but the crazy fucking thing is that's basically a full metal alchemist reunion oh yeah it's a complete transplant of the full metal alchemist cast kind of in the way that the um that the hiraka dub is like a partial transplant of the full metal alchemist cast no you get everyone and in this if you are a film student with a lot of stimulants please feel free to write an av club style essay just about this as an alternate universe or fan fiction of fma i would <laughs> totally be down to see that crack reading well it's um i think i was actually around 2009 or 2010 or so i was actually kind of frustrated with anime dubs imagine that um i was actually kind of fr- frustrated with uh, with anime dubs because i felt like you know funimation seemed to be you know the main option right yeah, I guess there was kind of Genion, Genion back in the day. There was kind of the Ocean Group. Neither of them really exist that much anymore. Were Genion's one doing um, Blue Gender? Never mind, that's real specific. Fuck that question. Well, Black Lagoon, certainly. Ah! That's one of the things I know them for. But all of these, uh, all these various different companies that did dubs, they kind of had their own uh, had their own guys, right? They had uh, folks who were signed pretty much to them. They're kind of like wrestling promotions in that way, right? And so I felt like uh, whenever I watched an anime dub done by Funimation, I was in for the usual suspects. Uh, and I wasn't really feeling like I was going to be listening to this character as a character who really should have sounded, but really like in the way they could get them to sound, right? Because they had like, let's say two dozen or so um, voice actors in-house. In fact, as we defend ourselves against accusations of old man X-Cloud, 
a classic romantic pairing. I will point out, hearing that dub really showed me how far the entire anime dubbing process has gone in the while. Yeah, no, like, here's the thing. A, a couple anime dubs these days, gotta tell you, pretty fucking top-notch. I was just talking about Hiraka. Hiraka's got a great fucking dub. Um, <laughs> uh, truly, there are multiple languages when you can watch Bakugo yell. Well, in particular, Bakugo, right? I feel like um, I feel like the character in the original Japanese, right? His, his Japanese voice actor just goes... All the fuck out. Like I have yeah. to I have to applaud his effort, yeah. right? I have to applaud just how much of himself that he puts into it. But the problem is that Bakugo is meant to be a um a character who is kind of slightly aggressive, unfriendly, kind of antisocial, right? And he sounds like a goddamn psychopath half the time in the original <laughs> uh, Japanese uh, it, in the original Japanese. Up. Yeah. In the dub, he does sound kind of aggressive, very unfriendly. Exactly where he should be. Yeah, they get the uh, petulance quotient. Yeah, he, he sounds like a petulant zone. fucking teenager, right? And that is exactly the sort of character that Horikoshi wrote for him to be. Um, rather than screaming monster that uh, he is portrayed Shocker! as. Shocker! How can't you boy have to chase you till he ends up there? Um, and I'm not trying to put down the uh, the original Japanese voice work here. Certainly not. But um, I, I do feel as though we have, uh, we have raised a very promising new crop of voice actors, you know, for this particular generation. Yeah, yeah, a bit more breadth. By the way, Mm -hmm. with the dubbing in this... Yeah. And maybe it's me taking some free points because I just like to get my little body blow points, my little jokes in, but... uh, Uh Uh-huh. That's not a problem you can trace to the manga or probably can trace it to the Japanese subversion. But the dub has a hilarious problem with the voice acting where the host club's fangirls all sound like they're 35 and that makes this all sound like a crime (laughs) like a crime that the police need to be involved in yesterday (laughs) i mean the thing is that everyone involved in this dub was around 35 at the time i imagine true that like i could go i could go to everyone's fucking wikipedia page i'm not going to but I could, you know, we, we we run into the issue, the, the fucking like Dawson's Creek issue here. We mostly talked about the um fucking main romantic pair in this when it came to the uh, core cast. Want to bump over the other characters? Yeah. Okay. Um. Actually, no, never mind. Wait, are we, go- are we go- going with like the dove cast here? Because like, okay, so the main no, no, character. No, no, no. I didn't mean the literal voice actors. I meant the That's literal characters. That's Winry. Oh, we're going. No, no, there's there's not a whole lot of like jokes here, except except that uh, Vic Mignon is in this, and uh... yeah, um, I would say the dudes seen better days, but I guess these are the better these, days where he can't get away with shit. <laughs> yeah, and there's like this one fucking line in the fourth episode when you know Haruhi says, "This is sexual harassment, Senpai." <laughs> Yeah, that dude is canceled uh, like a blockbuster membership. Goddamn aged like wine, I gotta tell you. <laughs> but yeah, the club's other members, you have um tall, dark, and handsome. Mostly tall, I don't know. He's paired of this short kid. They've got sort of a freak the mighty thing going on. You it's, read uh, that? Roy and Truth. Yes, Roy and In the Truth. dub. And I have got to say that the little one is the worst fucking character on this show. Like Towly tear. Yeah, I I don't like him very much. I Every think, time he I goes think he on, sucks. I think in our viewing, I I see him and I think, man, you suck. Said the words, "Don't forget to bring a towel." Every time that he came on screen, <laughs> he makes the show worse than it is. I think he's called Honey. Is Honey his name? Honey is his nickname. I don't know his actual name. I did not. Would care you learn. name your child Honey? It's like naming them Glitter or Cinnamon or Twerk. I sort of. Send them on a course. I would neither name my child Honey, nor would I try to propagate the nickname of Honey. Yeah, in like, fact, like, you that, might get that's okay as like for... a pet name that, you know, one half of a couple calls the other half of a couple. But if, if it's just like something that everyone calls you, I don't fucking know. That just. It's cloying. It sounds kind of weird. And weird, <laughs> like the character of Honey, whose goal, as far as I can tell it, is to show that lolly fixation can be projected across all genders and orientations that's the strangest fucking thing right because like i'm familiar with the lolly fetish i'm also familiar with the uh with the show to fetish right and oddly mm-hmm. enough the honey is written and drawn and you know voice acted and all, all, all the rest of it very much like 
as though to appeal with someone with a lowly fetish. It's, it's strange. I'm not really sure what to make of it. If there's, if among the weeaboos listening to this, there is someone with a really strong complet or media studies background that also happens to be a sexual deviant that could really unspool this one for us, feel free to like email me that one. I'm, I'm all ears or eyes in this case. This, yeah, I don't know. This character just rubs me the fucking wrong way. It's it's like it's it seems very much like one of those um. Like, like, the thing that I had that was a problem with, um, um, with Milf Isekai, with Azure Lane, where, you know, oh, it's, it's, it's so shameless, you know, the fact that you're annoyed by it means that you're missing the point. No, I, like, I get it. I get what you're doing. It still feels kind of fucking weird, guys. It's like the defensive cover that a bad punk band loses. It's not about knowing how to play your instruments, man, or being in tune, or not peeing on the microphone. <laughs> it's about the raw authenticity. Yeah, that is rawly, authentically fucking annoying. If I could jump back to the positive. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's just an intuitively funny joke to me, but pretty much every time... Ta- Actually, no, you, could, you could easily do this poorly. I just like all the... Look at how the pores live. <laughs> Comments that all the guys kept dropping on that. <laughs> no, I have to tell you, they were good. I think at one point in the first episode, they treat um, instant coffee like it is a um, a book of um, Jacob Reese photographs. Great. <laughs> and someone, one of them it, mentioned, die. If, no, if I drink it, my father will be mad at me. <laughs> it's fucking great. <laughs> I'm not really sure what point there is to make uh, beyond that, but it was well it was well done. Cycle back to the dub for a second. Sure. The opening song. I was like neutral to it in the sub. Oh yeah. Well, in it's, the it's, dub. It's, it is a pretty famous song. It is, it is Kiss Kiss Fall in Love. There are a whole lot of weebs out there. You know, a whole lot of like, I guess these days would be considered OG weebs. Just if you've because, been to you know, a wedding between two people who are virgins before they met each other, you've heard <laughs> kiss, kiss, fall in love. Wow. Okay. New, new meanest metaphor. <laughs> I guess I'm just topping myself all the time. If you've been to a wedding when the bride and groom were dressed like something other than a bride and groom, you've probably heard kiss, kiss, fall in love. If you have been to a wedding where the bride and groom are dressed as characters from not the same anime series, but two different anime series. You've heard Kiss Kiss Fall in Love. <laughs> okay, I, 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 could be, I could go back to being somewhat of a decent human being now. Fine. The dub of that song is really fucking amusing. They also chose to way. dub the song, which really dates this fucking series because they stopped trying to do that um, a while ago. Which is almost unfortunate because I think we need more One Piece pirate raps in this world. Wait, they didn't entirely stop trying. I mean, like, the Pokemon anime still exists, and I'm pretty sure they still dubbed that. Yeah. Right? They struck it They struck enough of a profit vein the first time. There are fucking covers of that thing out the ass now. What network does that air on anymore? It's not Kids WB. That doesn't exist. Does it air on Cartoon Network? I think CW11 still runs weeb shit in the mornings. This is a I great question. I need to question. check with this. Yeah, no, like, I don't know where, um, you know, four kids ask, you know, like, the sort of stuff that four kids would have gotten its claws into. I I don't know if four kids is still around. Who dubs Pokemon now? Is that is that still four kids? Are they still a thing? I don't know. Is Nintendo and Game because Freak four just kids massive is like, at this point to deal with their own dubbing issues? Four maybe? kids is thought of as, like, this Enron-esque company, right, that ruined everything. Does four kids still exist? Give me a sec. Kiss, kiss, fall in love. No, four kids was defunct as of 2017. I um, wow. I don't know who does Pokemon now. I don't know who does it now. That's a, that's an interesting question. I'll have to look that up. I'm mean, I'm not gonna do it now because. I think it's given that, that the elements of Pokemon are sort of just dragging elements that have been used before into new permutations. You could probably have a decently qualified voice actor freestyle over the content. And oh, like fucking like, like fucking like ghost stories style? Ghost stories, MXC, all that kind of thing, yeah. Oh, fuck. One of these days we're doing a ghost stories episode. Hell to the fucking yeah, we're doing a ghost stories episode. I God, that rules. Would we, we pair that with Duel Monsters? Duel Masters, whatever. Duel Masters, I think. 
yeah. leave and never insult my sideburns again. <laughs> anyway, if you want to see homoeroticism distilled into an effective comic form, Oran Host Club isn't a bad experience. It's 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 honestly pretty pretty fun and how subversive it is. I it's subversive. The jokes are fast and furious. Sometimes you kind of get you kind of get a little bit bogged down in the words words words. Usually they keep it fast paced enough that you don't. But like I think the biggest point against the series is the fact that there tends to be words 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 sometimes. Yeah. But yeah, fun ride throughout. I'm trying to think if I've got like an end cap on this. I don't think that I do so. I think, oh no, hold on. I think like one of the funniest sort of, not meta level gags, but just sort of macro level gags mm-hmm. of the series is the, uh, is, is the fact that, you know, you've got this, uh, you've got this entire club propagated on how, you know, like, uh, on all these, all these, uh, all these fangirls who are into the whole homoeroticism thing. Right. And then here comes Tamaki, who is secretly aggressively straight. Yeah, and that is that like, is almost a twist. Borderline criminal straight. It's kind of great. <laughs> Do you remember PC Principal from South Park? And his end gag ended up being Pussy Crusher Principal. <laughs> he is the homoeroticism version of that. Well, like, he's he like... a guy who looked at a GQ photo shoot of the Queer Eye staff and said, Yo, guys, here's we're going to crush some ass. <laughs> guys, 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 <laughs> this could change everything. <laughs> I know what we're going to do. Anyway, this has been Weeaboo Hell. It's Weeaboo Hell. I am Denard Dale, a.k.a. defunct nickname. I am Sam Legault. Usually, I just my nickname tends to be Attack Zeppelin. That's just my handle that I use for everything gaming-wise, You know, in case you wanted to know. Thank you for listening. Ages ago, it was Ice Farmer. Peace. <laughs>